0: Welcome back. It's good to see you all in this new room. Who likes the new room? Redecorated? Not a lot of enthusiasm for the new room. Okay. Um, it is, I'm really glad to be back with you. I don't know what the break feels like for you, but I always feel like it's a little too long. Like uh, they could shave a week off or so and it would be perfect length. No. no. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm really glad to be back with you. I spent my break uh, visiting family, playing a lot with my kids, who are now uh, three and a half about and ten months, so wild cr- craziness in my house the whole time, which is really fun. Um, this semester, so uh, in RUF every semester, we always have like a series, you know, we always... Uh, typically look at a different book of the Bible or a different section of the Bible and examine it uh, over the course of a semester. And we're doing something a little different this semester. This semester, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to do a series that I'm calling All of Life Belongs to God. And what this series is going to entail is we're just going to look at different aspects of life in our world and what the Bible says about them and uh, to see what wisdom we can glean from the Bible about how to approach just like the practical, the things that we deal with the most in daily life. Um, And so uh, we're going to, one of the things we talk about most in life is relationships. And so we're going to spend several weeks here at the front of the semester uh, talking about relationships. Tonight we're going to talk about love and how we were made for love. And we're also going to talk next week about why relationships are hard And we're going to talk about sex and marriage in a couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to talk about friendship and loneliness. And uh, so really just practical stuff about approaching, you know, the things that we think about a lot in life. And so uh, tonight we're going to look at this idea that we were made to love, that we were made for relationships and community. And to examine that, we're going to look at Uh, this passage of scripture from 1 John. So this is John, uh, Jesus' best friend, uh, the the first letter that he wrote. And uh, let me read it for us. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. is perfected in us. Um, let me just pray one more time quickly. God, we pray that you would guide us in, as we approach your word. Show us your truth, and may your truth set us free, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder what percentage of movies and songs do you think are about love? Or what percentage of movies and songs would you say are about love and relationships? Uh, this week I did a Spotify search. You know how you can just search in Spotify? And I typed in love. And I waited to see what songs came up. And it was just like scroll down. You know how like you scroll to the bottom and then like 50 more results like suddenly appear? And I did that for like five minutes. And I think you could really do it for like five years and not get to the bottom of songs about love and you know the same could be true about stories about love and the reason that is is because you know everyone who makes art taps into this idea that we all know which is that we were made for love Uh, we were made to express love and we were made to be loved and that's exactly what john is saying in his letter here uh you know the big picture of it is that life is about love we were made to love you know like if I ask you the question, why are you in college? You might answer me by saying something like uh, to learn or to prepare for a career or to get a degree or something like that. But if I asked you, why are you alive at all in the first place? Uh, the answer that you would have to come to, that the Bible comes to, is that we are alive in the first place uh, to love. We were made for love. And I want to look at love in this passage and i want us to see that first of all love is the standard and secondly that love is active and then i want us to see that love begins with god and ultimately that love is how we experience god so first of all love is the standard uh anybody see star wars last jedi over the break okay decent number of you saw it Uh, Over the break, I watched with my wife Maggie uh, *The Force Awakens* at home, and then we went and saw *The Last Jedi* in theaters a couple of weeks later. And um, in the the first movie, in *The Force Awakens*, uh, we're introduced to this character Finn, uh, the stormtrooper, at the beginning of the movie. And Finn. Uh, his name starts out as like FN-2187, right? And Finn is trying, he was raised in like this evil empire, the First Order, as one of their like minions, these stormtroopers, but he wants out. And so he figures out to escape, like they have this captured pilot, Poe Dameron, and he's like, I, He's, he, he's like, if I rescue him... He can fly me out of here. And so, you know, Poe's like, Why are you rescuing me? And he's like, because it's the right thing to do. And he's like, no, you just need a pilot, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And then he's and then what he finds out is that Poe is part of the resistance. And he's not really exactly sure what the resistance is. But as he gets more involved in his life and as they do more things together, more and more people are like, So are you with the resistance? And he starts to be like, Yeah, I'm with the resistance. And then it kind of turns into like people meeting him, and he's like, I'm a pretty big deal in the resistance and uh, you know he really has no clue what the resistance really is and someone who actually was part of this resistance this group this ragtag group that's been fighting evil in the galaxy uh, wouldn't carry himself that way and uh, you know if Finn were part of the resistance you wouldn't be as jumpy as he is and he would be more like weather-beaten and he'd be less bright-eyed and he eventually meets Han Solo who's like the man and uh, knows all about the resistance and Han knows instantly that Finn has no clue that he's not part of the resistance um, just by the way he carries himself. Han's like, it's so obvious. Um, in this passage, John writes, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, up in verse 7. And then verse 8, it says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Uh, you see what he's saying there? He's saying, the way I can tell if you know God the way I can tell if you're close to God, if you are a godly person, is by the way you love. He's saying it's the stand. love is the standard. Uh, it's not about what you know. It's not how often you go to church or how often you go to RUF or how much of the Bible you've read or how put together your life is. Even though all of those things can be very closely related to love, uh, but it's about love. That's the standard. And if you're here and you're new to RUF or you're new to Christianity, you need to know that this is a community where love is the goal. Uh, we want to be a community where we can learn to love each other. And we believe that we were made for love and we were made to love. And that you know, this is a community where ultimately we hope that we might become more of what we were meant to be and experience some of the joy in life that God intended to be found through loving each other. Uh, if, you, if you're here tonight and you would say, like, yeah, I am a Christian, uh, that is me. Uh, if you would say that you know God, the question that this text is asking you is, who do you love that's not yourself? And to think about that, we need to think about what love actually is. So uh, what I want us to notice in this passage is that uh, love is active, Today, most of us, when we think of love, we think of like warm fuzzies, right? Typically. Uh, In our culture, love is thought of as an emotion or a feeling, uh, which isn't all bad. There's not, that's not totally bad. But when, the problem with that is that when the warm fuzzies go away, what happens when someone, what happens when they go away and someone becomes difficult to love? You know, if you walk away at that point, it shows that you were only in it for you. It shows that you were in it for the warm fuzzies. And so it was really about loving yourself. And so it really wasn't love at all. How do we know that God loves us? Does John give us any indication of warm fuzzies that God feels toward us in this passage? Not that that's all bad, but he doesn't, right? Instead, to prove the point that God loves us, a couple times in this passage, he says the way we know that God loves us is that he sent his son. Do you see how love is active? Uh, God's love is associated with the action of sending his son. And I want you to think about what that means, because God, it's drawing on the idea that God is three in one, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so what it meant for God to send his son is ultimately that God was willing to be torn apart. You know, think about the demotion of like being God in heaven to like being born in a cattle stall and living in our stinky world, Right? But that wasn't even the biggest part because the biggest sacrifice was getting uh, wrenched out of the Trinity. This eternal relationship that has always existed, that's always been a relationship of love, gets torn apart as Jesus not only becomes man, but ultimately comes to die. Um, So, what, what it means that God sent his Son is that love is not only active, but it's self giving. There's a cost to love. Uh, And it's rooted in commitment to a person. God ultimately comes because he makes a commitment at the very beginning of the story to always love his people. No matter what the cost, he's bound himself to his people. And so that's that's what love is about. It's active and it's costly and it's about sacrifice and commitment. Um, Now to know if you're someone who loves, thinking about yourself, you need to consider the question of how many relationships do you have that are costing you something? A couple of questions to help you think through that. Do you look for someone to hang out with on the weekends because it would be good for them or because it would be good for you? Uh, Do you ever, as you go about your day, think, you know, I have this friend and I really just want to encourage them so I'm going to take a moment to send them a text or something just to let them know that they're my friend and I love them or to encourage them in some way. Um, or do you ever you know, think like, man, what I really want to do is just like pull up in my room tonight, but there's this friend I have who might need company, and so I'm going to go. Or uh, thinking more broadly, as you think about what you're doing with your life after college, are you thinking in terms of what would be good for the world and people, or are you thinking mostly in terms of what would be good for you? Uh, as you think about RUF or whatever other communities you might be a part of, do you think of them in terms of what you can get out of them or what you can give to them? And by the way, I hope RUF is a community that you get a lot out of. You know? we, we exist uh, so that you might get a lot out of it, but I hope, my hope is that if you've been around RUF a while, it might be a place where uh, you start to give of yourself to the community and what that could look like is anything from uh, showing up when you don't feel like it because it might bless other people and you might add to the community or you know it might mean um, being intentional about meeting people within this community people who are new or people who may not be as connected Um, now as you think about those questions as i think about those questions for myself i'm immediately reminded of how selfish i am of how much, how, how so much of the way I spend my day is about me, and how irritable I can be when someone's needs become, you know, something that is an inconvenience to me. Uh, of how selfish I can be, of how my selfishness can even look like selflessness sometimes as a mask. Uh, a few years ago, several years ago now, there was a student who used to sit in this room, an RUF student, his name was Danny. And Danny started coming to RUF primarily because he liked some girls that were part of RUF. So find reason to start coming to RUF. A lot of great girls here. And uh, Danny, but Danny was really great. And he, what I really loved and love about Danny is he was always quick to, like, he would listen and he would always, like, if he had a question, he would ask it. And so Danny and I started meeting up regularly just to talk about the Christian faith and what it was all about. And the thing he was always hung up on was like, you know, why, you know, why am I not good enough? Like, why did Jesus have to die? Like, I don't, get, I don't understand why God can't just, like, accept good people and uh, keep the bad people out and stuff like that. And what I tried to... Re- explained to him in these conversations was that uh, even the best things we do are tainted by selfish motivation you know uh, something can't be truly good unless uh, even the deepest you know the furthest motivation uh, driving you is completely good and completely selfless and and so we talked about that and he really wrestled with it and one week when he showed up to meet up with me he said he sat down in the U, you know my spot in the U a lot of you, where I sit and he sat down with me and he was like I thought of you this weekend and I was like why? <laughs> and he said because I was getting gas at the gas station and a beggar walked up to me and he asked me for some money and so I gave it to him and as I walked away I thought man I'm awesome and I immediately thought of you and I was like yes! <laughs> it's like, right? and he he, he began to see that something that's truly selfless is really, really hard because ego gets mixed into everything we do and in really, you know, complicated and, uh, you know, small ways. But to do things without ego is really, really hard. Um, and, you know, being an RUF minister is the same way. Uh, in theory, like the work I do is all about you guys, Right? It's all about Yukon and blessing Yukon And a lot of times I talk to peers of mine who do other jobs and they say things like, oh, like it's so amazing what you do. It's so selfless. Like, you know, you could be doing some other job where you make more money, but you're like doing this thing at Yukon and it's so great. And, and what I think in those moments is you have no idea how much I can make it about me. You, know, you have no idea how easily me uh, showing up on campus with the goal of telling students about the love of Jesus can turn into me feeling proud of myself or ashamed of myself based on how RUF is going at any given moment. Of how I can use Christian ministry to validate myself and how selfish that is and how deceptive that can be. So the selfishness runs deep and we need to see it. And so... What hope is there? What hope is there for selfish people like you and me? You know, love is the standard, and love is active, and it's costly, and we can't do it most of the time. And what I want you to see in this passage says clearly is that the hope is that love begins with God. Now, verse 10 says, And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. Be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, There's two parts to that verse. The first is that Christianity is not so much about God about us loving God as it is about God loving us. What you need to hear tonight is that God loves unlovely people. God loves selfish brats. He's committed to us. He knows, he knows like, his, our selfishness is not a surprise to him. It's not a surprise to him that we can't really love anyone well except for ourselves. But God's love for us can change that. And the way it changes is the second part of verse 10 here. Uh, in love, God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is not a word we use daily, on the daily or even on the yearly, I would say. But uh, it's a word, another way to say it is atoning sacrifice. It means atoning sacrifice, and it's drawing on uh, the Old Testament sacrifice system. Uh, the system that said, for God's people, you know, when you are in deep sin, when you really mess up as a people, uh, there's one kind of way to, be, to remain attached to God, and that's for a substitute to be offered. A lamb that's without blemish. And so uh, in the Old Testament, there's all these sacrifices because God's people fall short constantly and it's all about sacrifices and it doesn't really come into focus what that means until Jesus shows up and John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Until we see that all those lambs were pointing to Jesus who would come to die as a lamb in our place. Okay, the situation isn't, just that we need to work on ourselves like you don't need to work on yourselves you need a you need a substitute because you will not fix yourself you will not fix the selfishness of your heart uh, we need one who is without blemish in other words one who is always loved one who has always been selfless and that one is the one who god sent god sent his son Uh, Jesus is God who became a man uh, to love like we were supposed to love and die in the way that we deserve to die for being selfless in God's good, for being selfish in God's good world. So Jesus, as the propitiation, as the atoning sacrifice, does two things. Uh, First, he takes care of our guilt. Uh, Jesus' record of love becomes our record of love. It's not just that we're not guilty anymore, but that we have Jesus' standing uh, before God. And what that means is on paper, like, we're no longer guilty. God doesn't view us as guilty anymore if we belong to Jesus, which is amazing. But the second part of what it does is that it melts our frozen hearts. And this is really big. Uh, I watched Frozen about 17 times over Christmas break with my daughter Margot, It's the first movie she has ever seen. She is obsessed with it. We went to Frozen on Ice a couple weeks ago, uh, which was amazing. But I've got Frozen on my brain. I sing the songs constantly. It's an amazing movie if you haven't seen it. But, you know, the theme of the movie is that only an act of true love can melt a frozen heart. And they didn't just make that up. Like, they stole that idea from the Bible. It's the one, like, it's the eternal truth of the universe that the only thing that can thaw a frozen heart is an act of true love. And the truth is that we all come to God with frozen hearts. Like, the problem is that I'm, it's not just that I'm a little selfish sometimes, it's that I have a frozen heart, and it's my fault. You know, I turned away. I became selfish. I entered into this cycle of selfishness that I can't get myself out of, and that freezes my heart more and more. But the surprise of the gospel, and what Jesus shows us, is that God is for us. He's not against us. Uh, I'm sure all of you are aware of like the kind of like treadmill, the running, just list of people in Hollywood that are uh, being shown to be creeps and do horrible things uh, sexually. And that, you're all aware of these stories that are in the news. And, you know, it started out with Kevin Spacey and Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein. And uh, recently Aziz Ansari got kind of implicated in some stuff, too. And it's been amazing to see, you know, um, how quickly they get dropped. You know, like, the Kevin Spacey thing was in the news for, like, an hour before Netflix was like, we've canceled your show, right? Louis C.K., same thing. You will never be on TV again, Um, you know? And so every time, like, a new star comes out that's done something awful, uh, the first question is, like, well, did they get dropped by Netflix yet? Did they get dropped? Are they kicked out of their movie franchise or whatever? And what you need to see... And that's you know that's just I think right I mean some of those people did really awful things but God is different than Netflix And when your selfishness and your ugliness shine God doesn't want to drop you God wants to love you out of it He says I'll do anything to bring them out of it I'll even die I'll come and die. I'll come and be torn apart to bring them out of it. And he does, in spite of our selfishness. He's for us. And that's the only thing that can actually change you. That's the only thing that can melt your frozen heart. And so uh, John, John kind of concludes here in verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The whole point of Jesus taking our place, uh, coming to die, is so that we would be set free to love one another. And we'd be free to love. There's no other way to do it except to know Jesus, except to know how offensive our selfishness is, what our hearts are really like, and the extent of God's love for selfish people. Uh, I want to close by thinking... of considering the idea that John gets to at the very end in verse 12, uh, that love is how we experience God. In verse 12, he says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Uh, Isn't it interesting that John brings up the idea of seeing God here? He says, No one has ever seen God. Isn't seeing God what we all want? Isn't that like the main barrier that we think of when we're like, oh, it's hard to believe. If only I could see him, right? Don't we all think like, if I could see him once, I'd always believe? If I could see him once, I would always obey? Isn't that how we think? And these verses are saying something amazing about how we can truly experience God. Um, It's saying you don't experience God most profoundly by climbing Mount Everest and looking out over the expanse, although that would be an amazing experience, and you don't, uh, you know, experience God, you know, there's all these ways that we think, you know, this is the way, you know, by going to this amazing Christian concert, even though that can be amazing, or, you know, you don't experience God by hearing an amazing sermon, although those can be great too. He's saying the way you experience God is that we experience him as we love the people around us like the way to see and feel god if that's what you want uh as we love the people around us god's god abides in us and his love is perfected in us in other words the way to experience him is to invest in community in a specific type of community where God is at the center, where Jesus is the marker of the community. And when you fail, turning again and again to this God who loves you and experiencing his grace again and again. Uh, If you really want to experience God, there's not really any way to do it except entering a community with that as the goal and learning to love. Uh, That's what RUF is really all about. And the reason RUF is all about that is because we believe life is all about that. Uh, that's why we long for relationships, because we all know that life is about that. Uh, that's because relationships are ultimately what God is all about. Um, next week, we're going to talk about the challenges of relationships. So come back for that. But for now, I want you to think about who has God put in your life to love? And how God's love for you might drive you to invest in those people more, uh, to bear the cost of love more. Now let's close in prayer. Uh, Father, we, uh, as we come to your word and we see what love is, we're immediately reminded of how far that can be from us sometimes and how our hearts are often so uh, one track toward ourselves and what we need and what we want. And... Uh, We're struck by the difficulty of love. And we pray that you would make us into people that love. We pray that we would uh, have uh, a real encounter with you as we uh, relate to one another in love. We pray that you'd build up this community, strengthen us and draw us to yourself, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.